Hey everybody, Chris here. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that this episode is from our patron-only feed, and I'm reposting it here for two reasons. Number one, it's a great one, full of actionable information I think you'll find useful. Number two, many of the concepts Nate and I discuss in this episode fit in perfectly with the course that I just released, Coaching for Mastery. It's built specifically for climbing coaches who want to get better at helping their athletes improve their skills. And I don't just mean movement skills, though that's a big part of the course. The theories and methods you'll learn are also, in my opinion, the best way to teach soft skills like mindset, belief, confidence, and effort. We go over the principles of designing a better learning environment, the science behind effective feedback and communication, creating climbing drills using the constraints-led approach, programming for better skill adaptability, and more. You'll have access to all of the papers, books, and podcasts that have helped me tie together all of the research, theories, and experience into something I believe can help your athletes get better and make you a better coach. I'm also running a small group 10-week mentorship program that will go deeper into the rabbit holes that I open up in this course. It's already almost half full, so if you're considering it, get in there. You can learn more and enroll at the link in your show notes or search Power Company Climbing Academy. And remember, our patrons for as little as $3 get two bonus board meetings just like this every single month. All right, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And we are sitting here today in Lander, Wyoming, to talk about... Uh, this is actually a strangely divisive topic. Um, I've had people, when I suggest that maybe going to battle and doing things sloppy but getting through anyway is a valuable skill, I've had people really push back like no never you should always <laughs> be in control um, and we're talking about being systematic with your tactics versus just battling for it and what are the pros and cons of each uh, i'm curious nate what's your default oh to to a fault systematic was it always that way? Um, that's a good question. Probably not early. Uh, I would say no, but I probably was too ignorant of tactics to know. I was in yeah. something other than a tactical mindset. Yeah. I always thought I was doing good things, but I was 100% <laughs> in battle mode, I'm sure, for the first few years. Like ground up efforts, yep. just giving it all the time, not rehearsing sequences. Yeah, same. Um I'm definitely more on the systematic side now and I've had several seasons where I'm like, oh, have I gotten too, too good at tactics and now I need to like find a way to put myself back into battle mode. Mm -hmm. But definitely early in my climbing, especially as a traddy, I was 
full-on battle all the time mode. Oh, man. You know, like get in over my head regularly, get in the midst of big giant runouts, you know, <laughs> and just go all out screaming battle. Uh, that was my norm back then. And it mm. just doesn't happen all that often anymore. Yeah. That kind of bums me out a little bit. It's fun. It, you know, it's, you were saying how you want to bring battle mode back into your climbing, which also just sounds cool. Yeah. Um, but I feel the same way. It's something I've been trying to think of. How can I systematically bring battle mode <laughs> back into my rock climbing? How can I very carefully and tactically it, exactly. get into battle I know, mode? I'm the, I'm the worst. Like Because <laughs> I do feel like it's one. Of, it's something I'm very skilled at is being tactical. Like it, to the point to where I've, I think I've leveraged it. I mean, not as much as I possibly could. People always, or there's always people who are better at it. Yeah. But I think I do it to a fault. Um, because you see people who do like go into battle mode all the time. They've got skills I don't. Yeah, I've definitely been climbing with you times where you like do the move. But then you're searching for the other 72 ways you could do the move. I love searching for 72 <laughs> ways to do the move. And I'm like, Nate, for fuck's sake, <laughs> just do the move. It irks Roland Chen so much. And it, that's why he's maybe, he's like one of my favorite climbing partners because he'll just like lean in. I'll be on option number 14. And he's like, hey, uh, have you tried just trying hard and just doing the thing? <laughs> Like I do it all the time and I send a lot, like I send a lot. So just try that. I'm yeah. like, God damn it. Thanks Roland. Yeah. Yeah. I think both are really valuable to have in your toolbox. Mm -hmm. But if you have both in your toolbox, how do you decide? How do you know which tool to pull out? I don't know. Tell me. I don't know either. <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing. Um, and actually I think it, I think it almost has to be a practiced thing. Like you mm -hmm. have to practice tactics to a fault. You have to practice, I'm just going to battle. I'm going ground up every attempt here to a fault. Yeah. Maybe ground up is almost always to a fault. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in this room right now. Yeah. Um, but I think you have to practice the two and understand them and, and really start to grasp how they work and when they work and when you're surprised and when you're not. And, you know, to be able to say, okay, I think I'm ready to put the tactics back in the bag and pull out the battle mode. Yes. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something I think I used to be a lot better at was being very minimalist with tactics. And this is something I, like a lot of my early climbing, I climbed around Jimmy Webb who, man, it was almost hilarious to climb around him with other people when other people would be around because I would always see him do this and it never caught me off guard. But I remember we went on a trip to Colorado together. It was me, him, Brian Voges, and John Gass. And we would climb around a bunch of other climbers at Jimmy's level. Um, and they would almost get mad when he would send things because mm. he would walk up, like we'd go to this boulder and he already knew what he was doing because he'd watched videos, but he would pull on, try and flash it. If he didn't, he would maybe do the crux move literally once and he would pull on, do the top out and then he'd rest like 10 minutes, come back and he'd just fire it from the ground yeah. and people would just like, he'd be walking off the boulder and people would be like, what just happened? Like he, how did he just get so lucky? 
I can't count the amount of times people were baffled almost to the point of being upset by how fast he would send because they're like, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But he was so good at, if he did a move once and he was like, I'm not going to drop that, that's the way, he wouldn't do it again. Like in that moment. And this would be for you know him sending like V11, V12. Like obviously when he was getting on much, much harder climbs, he was more tactical. But it was amazing. It was always really cool to see. And that was something I think I mimicked really well initially. And at a certain point, I got way too tactical. But yeah, there's a, it's cool seeing people who know how to ride that line of, I'm going to be just tactical enough and then I'm going to flip the switch. Yeah. I also think there's a real skill in being tactical on the ground and then trying really hard when you're on the wall. Yes. And, And not abandoning your tactics, but knowing that there's a time for them and right now is not the time. I'm not going to let go because I made a mistake and my goal here is to make no mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think maybe that's the best definition of these two things, like the systematic approach versus the battle approach, is that the systematic approach is in place to, uh, with the goal of making no mistakes on the climb. Yes, you're trying to answer all the questions. Yeah, let's dial it in as much as possible. Let's figure out the most efficient ways. Let's climb this perfectly and make no mistakes. Whereas Mm -hmm. battle mode is saying, I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to recover from them. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to keep going despite it looking like to everyone else that I'm probably falling off. And I'm just going to do the damn thing regardless. Yes. And I think if you can mitigate the number of mistakes while you're on the ground and then get on the wall and go into battle mode, switching between those two things um, regularly throughout a session might make you the best rock climber in the world. I mean, that's a, it's a great way to go. And especially if you can still keep some sort of presence and awareness while in battle mode, um, that I think is a very high level skill that great climbers can do. Yeah. Um, you look at someone, I think Jonathan Segrist is a great example of this, who can go into battle mode, but he doesn't just turn into raw, intuition and emotion Mm -hmm. if he falls he can tell you exactly what was happening in every moment of that even though he was battling yeah seven moves ago this happened and that led to this and this and this and this so lower me down seven moves and let me work that out so i can get rid of this chain of negative consequences exactly it's like i hit this hold a little poorly i still made the clip but then i was hesitant and i didn't quite reach the next hold as well all these things, or even thinking about, oh, I grabbed that hole differently this time, and this could be an easy and section, and that worked way better. <clears throat> yeah, I need to remember that because that, I think, is what differentiates people who can harness that battle mode and go really far with it versus the people who pull on and just black out. Like, yeah. And there are people who can climb really hard that way. Yeah, totally. But then they fall, and they're like, I, I don't know what happened. I am, I'm at bolt seven. That's cool. This is a high point, but man, I couldn't even tell you what the first three bolts were. Yeah. And I think this is a a thing you can practice as long as you can keep the intention throughout the day and remind yourself like, okay, I'm on the ground now or I'm hanging on the rope now or whatever. 
I'm going to be in tactics mode. I'm going to be really systematic about this. And then when it's time to pull onto the wall and start climbing, you set your intention to, I'm going to battle now. You know, sometimes when you pull on the wall, the intention is going to be toward the tactical side. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I just want to see how this feels. I want to see how this feels. I yeah. only want to do these three moves in sequence. Uh, and once I do that, I'm not going to fall prey to battle mode and keep going. You know? Yes, I don't need to go right to the here. top. I've already been up there. Right. And other times, it's going to be to your benefit. It's going to be tactically efficient for you to go into battle mode. See, this is where we, this is where we can do it, Nate. We're meeting in the middle here. I even have a drill for getting into battle, tactical drill for getting into battle mode. Um, <laughs> what is this tactical drill? Talk to me. Um, honestly, it's one of my favorites. Uh, it's, I just wrote out my own program for this fall and it's included in every cycle, but it's 10-minute um, takedowns. So, and something we've talked about before, but I think for this mindset, it's really helpful. Um, and especially with a certain caveat. So 10 minute takedowns, you pick a boulder one notch above your flash grade and you have 10 minutes to be as tactical as possible. You can try every single move like individually and drop in between if you want. You can do overlaps. You can do anything. When that 10 minutes is done, you take a three minute rest and you give it a hard red point go from the ground. Wherever you fall, if you send, awesome, wonderful. Um, be honest with yourself. If it was too easy, next time pick a harder one. But if you fall, you get another three minutes rest. You're not getting to rehearse any more moves and you get one more go. And if you don't send it in the second go, you are not allowed to try it for the rest of the day. Yeah. And that is the big caveat because you need pressure. Like you need that consequences. That hurts a lot of people's feelings. Oh man, people get, it's <laughs> like, what do you mean I can't try again? Yeah, what's funny is like, it's right there. It, yeah, there's two responses. One is like, well, why can't I try it again? Or they're like, okay, cool. And then I get a message back after they do that workout. They're like, I was so mad I couldn't try it again. <laughs> like, can I not just like make it part of my mini projects later? Or can I not just like go get on it after? It's like, no, no. We have like, why would you go into battle mode if you could just be like, oh no, I guess I'll get back on it. Let's work out that sequence. No, like you have to have consequences. And I think this is really important. Um, yeah. It's a good, and also a lot of people don't realize how well they perform under pressure. like Or how poorly they perform under pressure. Or how poorly they perform under pressure. Either yeah. way, it's great to know. But I've had a lot of clients, especially women, um, who are shocked by, they're like, oh, I have never climbed this grade this fast. Mm. And they just never put themselves under a deadline, under pressure. Yeah. Like, they're always like, hey, that's okay. Like, this is fine. I can come back to this another time. But by saying, you don't get to try this again, you get two goes. Mm-hmm. Like, suddenly they pull out a performance they weren't expecting. Yeah, I think this is a really valuable drill too for, um, particularly for like weekend warriors um, yeah. who are who have really compressed timelines or somebody getting ready for a short trip somewhere. Uh, because it really can introduce that same sort of last day anxiety um, into the equation. Mm -hmm. And that's a real thing that's going to affect your performance one way or the other. So you might as well learn to harness that and learn how to flip the switch between, all right, I've been tactical for the last eight minutes. Now it's time to go into battle mode. Yes. And I mean, and this is, 
like how many times have you heard someone be like, oh, well, you know, it was the last weekend of the season. The next, it was calling for rain the next week and it was going to drop 30 degrees into the winter. So I knew this was my last chance and people have one or two outcomes. They're like, I just fell apart or they're like, I climbed the best I ever did. And it's like, that's cool. You climbed the best you ever did. Can we do that more often? Can mm-hmm. we switch into that mindset? What mindset was that? How do we harness that? Do we just need you to create pressure or feel that pressure, like harness that arousal level? Or if it's like I fell apart, hey, we need to work on that because you're going to have end of seasons. You're going to have these times where, oh, I'm not going to be able to get out for two more weekends and I need to perform right now. Yep. I think, it, you know, that sort of a drill, like the 10-minute takedown, um, can be really helpful for creating some sort of a you know a ritual for yourself to help you get into that battle mode you know mm. try a few things while doing this drill over the course of uh, a cycle and you know for me i've talked about this before that to get into battle mode for sport climbing i have to take my harness off put it back on <laughs> it just feels like suiting up yeah you know feels like i'm putting my cape on or my armor on and and now I'm ready to go you know and uh, in an interview with Hazel Finley years ago we were talking about this and I was like I don't really have one for bouldering yet and she's like maybe you should take your trousers off <laughs> and but since then I have developed uh, one for bouldering and it's some sort of sharp um, exhale right before I pull on. It can be yeah. a grunt if it's a particularly aggressive, you know, dynamic boulder. It can be just forced air exhale if it's a little more technical. Um, there's some emotion behind whatever that forced exhale is and that helps me turn on go mode. Yeah. So I think it's important to find those things for yourself. Agreed. I think having that kind of almost mental checklist even or building that trigger as uh, Josh Waitzkin would describe it. Yeah. And we see Adam Under do it in all these videos. You know, he'll be yeah. resting, shaking out at a stance. And before he even begins this next heinous sequence, he's like, ah, you know, he's making noises before he even starts to ramp himself back up and get back into that battle mode. Yeah. Yeah. And same thing, uh, Brooke Rabatou. Mm-hmm. With competitions, she does a really good job of, like you can even see her, she'll be stopping, analyzing either the boulder or the route, and then she pauses, like closes her eyes, takes a breath, and like sometimes flicks her arms. And when she opens her eyes, it's like, oh, she's she's here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually sport climbing, that's another tactic I used. Um, and I, I've heard Mercedes Pohlmeyer talk about the physiology of this. And it's something I just came into intuitively, um, but like doing really fast little flicks and shakes um, right before I would get on a sport route, you know, just Mm. these really fast, you know, almost vibrating my arms and and then pull on and go. And, And it's just a thing I did for a lot of years. And then I heard Mercedes explain the physiology of this. It's really similar to like doing... Um, fast little jumps to wake up the nervous system. Interesting. I could see totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so another thing I think that can be beneficial for 
battle mode. Because a lot of people might be thinking, okay, like, but ta- tactics win. Like, tactics make you climb harder, like, mm-hmm. on a hard route. I think you can differentiate between practice and performance a little bit. Because, um, frankly, I don't know how much time y'all spend around people who are always in battle mode. They're real strong. <laughs> and, like, there is something about it. And I, it's funny because I think a lot about what kind of advice should newer beginners get? And when do you introduce new ideas to them? And a part of me wonders if tactics, if we're sharing them too early. Yeah. Because you meet people who like didn't learn good tactics till two years in, let's say. They're so strong. Oh man, because they've been climbing like idiots. Like they just didn't know better. (laughs) And then if you can indoctrinate them with great tactics at that point, man, what a great thing. Versus if someone learns good tactics super early on, they learn, they lose the opportunity to build all that fitness that you get from ground upping every boulder you try. Yeah. And like you get so many more repetitions in by trying ground up. Like you do so many more moves. Um, honestly, I think in terms of training, there can be time where that times where that's beneficial to try boulders ground up more often. Mm-hmm. Because let's say you're bad at crimps. Okay, yeah, you could sit and work out every single move individually. But you could also try it ground up when you fall, work out that move. Okay, you've got it. Try it ground up again. See how that goes. Yep. And you're going to get more repetitions in. That's more volume. And from a practice mindset, from a training mindset, that can be really beneficial. Um, but yeah, so I don't really know with new climbers, when, do you, like, how long do you let them just, I mean, essentially wear their shoes on the wrong feet? Well, I think this is a really important question, actually. Um, you know, a lot of the the reading and listening and learning I've been doing in, over the past year or so of um, motor learning and movement learning, particularly in sports, <clears throat> you know, those reps where you don't have it perfectly dialed may very well be and probably are far more important for overall development than doing more of what you can do with less variation. Mm. Um, so having more variation, more things going wrong that you have to adjust to and, you know, wrong in air quotes there, yeah. Um, but having to adjust to things on the fly and having to, um, learn small new nuances of moves you've already learned because you didn't hit that hold quite right, or you're starting to get tired or you're, you're slipping a little bit because it's more humid today or whatever it is, um, doing more reps of that kind of thing can help you learn faster because you're constantly adjusting and, and learning new things. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Like you're learning it, like you're almost building a buffer around every move. Yeah. Like you can't wear, because you do see this. This is something I see all the time with people who are overly tactical, um, in people who I would say are overly tactical more than me, who just struggle to get in battle mode, the second, like they, this is maybe the biggest red flag phrase you hear of overly tactical people. And it's, I just want it to feel easy. Yeah. Or I didn't have that right. Yeah. It's, oh, this didn't feel right. And you'll, you'll see these sport climbers just let go when they're clearly not pumped. They could be high pointing on a red point go and they will stop and let go. And they're like, well, I, I, I was too pumped and I didn't hit the hold right and I can't do anything. Yeah. They haven't spent the time developing those buffers around each move where, oh, it's okay if I hit a hold a little wrong because I know I can still try. Like, oh, I hit this crimp poorly. 
I know that I can sink down, get more weight on my feet to try and readjust and get it better. Like developing those little micro skills that I think you have to learn on hard red point goes in battle mode, things like that. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it, but there's so much to it that I think battle mode teaches you. Yeah, totally. And we've all been surprised to stick a move. We're all surprised we're still on the wall. Yeah, you're you already know? looking at the ground. We've all experienced <laughs> that. And oftentimes you get surprised that you're still on the wall and then you fall off mm-hmm. because you're surprised and you've stopped. You know, you're, you're taken totally out of the game because of the surprise. And the more you do that, the less surprising it is. And you just start to believe I can stay on the wall. Oh man, and belief goes so far. Yeah, and you can just keep climbing in a lot of situations where you had, you know, everybody around watching was like, oh, he's coming off right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's coming off right now. Okay, he's coming off right now. Oh, how did he do that? Yeah. You know, and I don't think you, you know, unless you just have that inherent, I'm going into battle mode built in, that's your default, you know, switch. That's a thing you can learn that way by just allowing mistakes to happen. And again, mistakes in air quotes there. Yeah. Because someday your mistake, you grabbed this hold wrong and had your hips in the wrong position, that might be the correct way to do a harder move someday, you know? So, and again, correct and mistakes all air quotes here because there is no correct and mistake it's all going to work for somebody sometime some way some move but embracing that and continuing to move can teach you at least as much if not more as dropping off and saying let me do that better yeah yeah i mean i can't count the amount of times i have been doing a big overlap let's say on a sport route and I get up, I get to the red point crux. And I'm like, oh man, I was so tired. This was my fifth pitch, of, you know, fifth pitch on this of the day. I'll never be this tired from the ground. And I had to come up with something crazy. Yeah. You know, and then you get there on red point and you know what your beta, you end up having to switch to mm-hmm. that crazy beta that you like had to find in battle mode. And had you never, had I never been there, I never would have done these rock climbs. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, all of this isn't to say that you shouldn't try to do things better. Of course you oh, should. Yeah. Tactics are, um, there's a reason they're important. You know, lessen the mistakes that you make and you can climb harder. I think that's, that's almost always going to be true. Um, but make the goes count. And that's also not to say that some, someday, you, someday you will absolutely hit a hold and just not be able to move. You hit yeah. it wrong. You're stuck there. Yeah. Can't move. Your only option is to drop off. You know, you're stuck there looking around like, uh, I can't, can't do anything now. Mm-hmm. You drop off. But if that's happening regularly and you're, you're dropping off and then convincing yourself you couldn't have done anything because you just didn't quite have it right, then it's definitely a time where you need to step back and say, all right, I need to learn how to grab things the air quotes wrong way and still continue moving. Yes. It's more psychological at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, something that's important that I just thought of that I did for a long time that was really beneficial. Um, and now that I'm remembering it, because this was a decade ago, I'm going to start doing it again. Um, I used to 
switch shoes, climbing shoes halfway through a session. So the reason behind mm-hmm. this is when do you switch into battle mode? Like when do you start trying, like truly trying hard in a climbing session? We'll use bouldering as an example. Routes, it's a little more um, sectioned off. You're like, okay, I'm going to do my mm-hmm. first warm up, second warm up, maybe third warm up, and then I try my project. But with boulders, you're kind of warming up. And even when you get to your project, you're doing moves and you're sussing things out. When do you like try? Like when are you knuckling down? Yeah. It's definitely a big blurry area where you could make a case for attempt one, I tried hard, and final attempt, I tried hard. Yeah. All the rest of it was tactics. Yes. And so this was something that I realized at one point I struggled with. Because I would go through and I would do some, you know, moderate level boulders, keep warming up, and then I'd try some harder things. But I'm not like warm. I can't like, I couldn't crimp 100% full strength and I didn't want to jump to wide shoulder moves yet. So I needed mm-hmm. to get, finish getting warm. But I realized that even when I was physically warm enough, I wasn't mentally and emotionally like ready to flip the switch. Like I was, I was lagging to make that transition. And sometimes it'd be 30 minutes later where I'm like, oh, that's right knuckle down, let's go. So what I started doing was I had essentially a pair of warm-up shoes and then a pair of my try-hard boots. Like, so I would go through and I'd be climbing in my warm-up shoes, which both, also just to say, both were like decent shoes. I don't believe in climbing in like trash shoes because it yeah. gives you trash footwork. And these can be the same model of shoe. And so that's what I often would do. It would be, I would have my performance pair once those started to really get like rounded out my warm-up pairs, or you can get them resold. Yep. That's a really common tactic to just resole your performance pair. And that's now your warm-up circuit pair. So I have my warm-up shoes. And then once, like, and this suddenly made it intentional because also I wanted to wear my good shoes. Mm-hmm. Like, they work better. Um, so I would go through, go through my warm-ups and I would have that intentional moment where I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I switch into my game mode shoes. Now I try hard. Yep. And for me, that was... I mean, it was a literal it was a physical switch that I would flip in the sense that, okay, we're here, we're doing this. Like we don't wear these shoes to keep warming up and to just try things. Yeah. We're here to go. Yeah. I imagine it's similar to the taking the harness off and putting it back on. Like there's yeah. a, there's an action you're doing that helps that switch to get flipped. Yes. I think that's really smart and I think ultimately it comes down to regardless of what your dogma is about this because I know there are people out there who have the dogma of I want everything to look pretty flow is everything mm-hmm. um, so what going to battle and sending things is also pretty damn cool um, and I think it's really valuable for your climbing to embrace that um, so I think if you're listening to this podcast if you're a patron who's paying to get these podcasts you want valuable advice and i think this is valuable advice so if you have that dogma maybe take a step back and question that yeah you know and another type of person who may be falling into this without realizing it is someone who's dealt with injuries over the years Mm -hmm. because you i mean if you're injured going into battle mode is not the way to get through an injury totally you want to be more protective you want to play it safe you know progressively load the tissues or whatever it is that need to be rehabbed. But at a certain point, it's healed and you're ready to go and you can try hard again. But for a lot of us, we're not ready to be hurt again. 
Yeah. You know, we like, we're like, oh, I, I still want to play it safe. Like that injury sucked. That took me out for months. And man, I work with people all the time. I consult with people all the time who had bad injuries. Let's say, oh, it took them a year and a half to get out of this. It's been two years that they've been fine and they're still not able to go into battle mode. Mm-hmm. So if that sounds like maybe you, like you've had a string of injuries, but you're healthy now, assess whether that's something that you're missing out on, like truly trying hard and flipping that switch or if you're stuck in over overprotective mode. Yeah, and you can lean into this a little at a time like any other skill, like any other thing you're trying to, that you are actively avoiding, but you know needs to be in your arsenal. Do it a little bit at a time. These 10-minute takedown drills are a great way to get a couple of battle mode attempts in and then you can you know go about your normal business and then maybe you do a two 10 minute takedowns the next block or something like that yeah um because you don't want to find yourself last day of a trip close to sending something or uh, 15 feet above your last piece of gear having to go into battle mode when you haven't practiced it and you don't know how to do it and you're scared of it um that's not the situation you want to be in. You want to be able to comfortably slip in and out of this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Or even more casual situations, you're out bouldering with friends and you know, you don't want them to have to sit at your boulder all day. So you're like, hey, I'll be here for an hour. Yep. At the end of that hour, you want to walk away with a send. Also, your friends want to see you send. Totally. So practice, like this is something you can pull out all the time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. You got anything else over there on your notes? I think that's essentially it. Um, I think it's yeah. a, like I said, it's a valuable thing. I would love to hear in the uh, community board, are are you default systematic tactics or are you default battle mode? And have you spent time trying to learn the other thing? Um, if so, what's worked for you to, to learn the other way uh, and to make sure you don't lose the thing that you're already good at? I'd, I'd love to hear that stuff. So, you know, the more information, the better for all of us. And like my dude, Nolly Simon says, We don't tweet, we scream like eagles.